the Flex and Froome's daily podcast. Brought to you by Cater. Hello, Munchkin. Before the jump, I just want to say I was listening to the podcast this morning when I had a little stroll along Bondi Beach, wearing my Crocs on the sand. There wasn't really anyone around. It was actually quite nice. It was overcast. Mm. And I was listening. I was like, who is this bitch saying, mm, mm, while you're speaking? Flex? Oh, it's you? It's me. Oh. I hate it. <laughs> Not- is there someone else in the room? <laughs> the call's coming from inside the house. <laughs> Never forget the poltergeist. Um, yeah, I've just been listening back and thinking, oh, I actually don't like the way that sounds. So if you're listening and you also found it like quite grating and extremely frustrating, just know I've caught it before you said it <laughs> and I will take no further criticism. But today we are talking about two types of thinking that you might relate to. Yeah. What are they called, Flexi? Spiderweb thinking and target thinking. It's an approach one might use to decision make or just to understand the world around them. It's not exclusive. You can be both, but it's good to understand which one you are and maybe which one, you know, your best friend is or your co-worker is or your boss, because that'll make you uh, more mindful when trying to communicate ideas with them. Stunning. Let's do it. Flex Flex. and Frooms. I am a Gen Y, a millennial. You are also a Gen Gen Y. Yep, a millennial. You're older than me, so I, Gen Z. <laughs> I've been researching the whole thing about millennials kind of aging out of the internet versus Gen Z. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's quite a triggering topic, I'd say, for myself and for you because for the longest <laughs> time, we were millennials when it suited us yes. when we are really young and we want to be in with the older people. Yeah. And now we're Gen Z when we're realising we are ageing out. People used to tell us, you're so mature for your age. Oh, my goodness, only 21. You're so talented. You're so accomplished. Even in high school, I was in advanced class gifted and talented and I still almost failed so (laughs) I don't know what happened it's saying something but yeah apparently millennials are aging out of the internet and it shows because you know the the birth of what can be considered millennials like 27 to 40 even Mm. and those are very distinct life stages that could be perceived as old you're somebody's mum somebody's dad somebody's uncle, somebody's oldest brother, you know, I get it. I think the generation between yeah, Gen Y and Gen Z is is just as like it's really obvious now because of the internet who's in what generation. Like I think you can actually draw a line, whereas previously it's like are you a boomer and you were Gen mm. X? It's more of a feeling. Whereas I think, yeah, the internet habits show you're either a millennial or a Gen Z. And Absolutely. you can be Gen Z presenting and still be a millennial and vice versa. For it just sure. depends on your internet literacy. For sure. So apparently there's this thing called Gen C. I read this in CNN. Veritable, variable? Ver- ver- what's it called? Verifiable. Verified. News source. And they wrote this piece in 2021, so it was still mid-pandemic, so you'll you'll get that kind of vibe in this. So Gen C are called Gen C after COVID. So these are people that have been born during the COVID time Mm. or people that were kids that were like five during COVID all the way up to anybody who's born um, 2030. I love COVID babies and COVID children. They're built different. Built different. Built different good or bad? Built different, amazing. Stronger necks. (laughs) Do you reckon? Heaps literate. Yeah. Because yeah, you've, yeah, yeah. you've got um, nephews. I've got nephews, five and two. And um, yeah, I'm just finding, do you know what it is? I don't think it's COVID particularly, but perhaps working from home, parents have enough time to really be in, in the kitchen cooking with their kids, figuratively, not you know actually making sandwiches, but having more say about how they're rearing their kids, you know, because you had to homeschool them diligently for so long. 
that. Like, this is the effects of a homeschool kid. They're smart. I think that can go either way. I think it's extremes for some kids who yeah. are in that kind of good environment. Like, sounds like your brother and his wife cultivated a good environment. Yeah, smart kids. Therefore, the kids are going to be slaying. But, yeah, if you're in a family where there's a lot of um, fighting and whatnot, it might not be very good for you. And this is what that article found. And they likened COVID-C to the people that grew up in the Great Depression, which I think was the 20s. Ooh. And apparently, when you look back at that time, the older boys who lived through the Depression were able to find jobs and they had agency in the situation because they had more choice. Yep. Whereas the younger boys who were stuck at home were deeply affected by how their parents handled it. Uh, um, and apparently they became targets of their father's frustration because obviously men were the yeah, only breadwinners. Yeah, yeah. They're coming home and they're just so mad. You drop kick deadbeat kid hanging at home. You yeah. could have been out there making money for the family. I get it. Cleaning the coals out of the uh, chimneys. 100%. Chimney sweep. Yeah, look, I feel like, you know how you mentioned before that uh, millennials and Gen Ys, Gen what is Gen it? Z? Gen no, the other older ones, Gen X. parents, Gen Xs. It's very clear that they are part of a similar demographic because obviously we were raised by them and we use their traditions and their norms as an indication of how to do adulthood. So as we grow older, we start mimicking what we know to be correct, and so we start speaking differently. We start using pet names. We start being more financially conscious and. I think the good thing about being a millennial is that you are directly in the middle of what has been done and what has worked in our society. And with and you also see Gen Z, what they're doing to change it. But you get to operate in like two coexisting forms of thought. Because I think the difficulty of Gen Zs is that they've been touted to be these radical change makers. And it's a lot of pressure for this environment we've built up. It's like, how do you be a change maker when you have to pay your rent? I swear they do that to every generation. Like 21-year-olds come up and they're like, this is a new generation. It's never <laughs> going to look the same again. It's going to be different and cool. And then they get 27 and it all t- comes crumbling down. Yeah, you get your car finance. You start paying. <laughs> <laughs> you got a gas bill. <laughs> Literally. Flex and firms. I've had a few bizarre interactions where I have told people that I've observed that I think in tangents and that it's really difficult for me to get my complex brain communicating in a simple way to people. And generally when I say that, people think I'm putting myself down. I'm like, no, 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 like you're really easy to understand. Like, no, no, of course. I'm like, no, I'm telling you, it takes so much time for me to simplify what's happening in my head for me to communicate it well to people. So as I was Googling that, because I was like, I don't think I'm explaining it in a way that people realize like I'm not putting myself down I'm trying to say that I'm having difficulty communicating with you because I'm bearing the weight of it because you don't know how hard it is for me to communicate what's in my brain so as I was doing some googles I came across this article that was talking about the distinction between target thinking or spiderweb thinking already it's it's clicking for me is it clicking for you yeah yeah I'm seeing spider-man visuals okay in a good way yes yeah I I'll let you continue. So I want you to visualize a target, you know, like a small circle with a slightly bigger circle and a slightly bigger circle. Like a nipple. Yep. Or like a bullseye, like a dartboard, right? Picture that. Mm-hmm. And then you want to picture a spiderweb, which is like a similar shape, but more interconnected like a sections. <laughs> exactly. So they say the distinction between a target thinker 
is that first you start on the biggest ring where you gather as much information as possible. Then using that information, you file it down, take out or like zoom in on the crucial points, remove what's unnecessary until you get to the core of what you're trying to explain. So you're always trying to zoom in and focus in on the point of what you're trying to communicate. Whereas a spider thinker is very aware of the point they're trying to communicate, but doesn't want to get there in a straight line. Wants to talk about all the interconnected stories and ideas and ways that help you understand how they see the big picture before they get to the point. And they know what the point is, but the point isn't the priority. It's so you understand all the little complex ways their mind moves, right? Now, the issue is that generally spiderweb thinkers and target thinkers tackle communication and problem solving very differently. Mm. Spiderweb thinker wants to be fantastical and like interesting and take you on like a journey of some sort, a story time. A target thinker is like, what is the point and can we get there now so we can make a new target and get to that point? The reason why I find this so fascinating is I think you and I are both spiderweb thinkers. Um. No. (laughs) No. This article from Rank and File Mag says, the target and the spiderweb perfectly illustrate two types of decision-making styles. The target thinker will process information through a structured process in his head. They'll start with the big picture on the outer rings, ask more detailed questions to hone in on the real problem, analyze the different possible solutions available, hoping to arrive at the solution before making a conscious decision. So you're going through the motion of being like, no, I need to get all the data, zoom in, zoom in, zoom in. Whereas a spiderweb's approach is kind of a lot more simple because it's based on their own preference of making decisions in a quick way that suits the way their spiderweb is structured. Let's say my spiderweb is associating that If I'm hungry, I should eat whatever's quickest available to me. A more detailed person would be like, well, no, you're going to the gym. You're trying to be healthy. So you should go for a healthy option. It might be further away to get it, but it would be work well. My spider brain was like, yeah, I'll get Maccas. (laughs) It's it's quick and simple. So which do you think you are and why? I have some points on this generally. Mm. I think targets are just a different way of saying analytical thinkers. And spiderwebs are emotional thinkers, emotional doers. I personally find that I actually am more of a target. I can use this example when, for example, I'm creating something or writing, have this broad idea and I'll write down, like spoof out all the different examples or different like points and then hone in, ask questions on them and then write the piece, which is the final little arrow. Mm. Um, Whereas I guess I think both thinking styles can come out in different scenarios. For example, when we're here at Cater, I sit down in front of the microphone and just hope that something comes out or makes sense. (laughs) You know, like I'm in my web when I'm here Mm. and I know they're like, is a point, but often I forget it because I've got a terrible memory um, and our producer, Brooke, may be crying right now listening to this. <laughs> I see the difference and I like this different um, way of approaching way it. Of approaching. I definitely see you as a um, spider thinker and I like what you say about, I see you, it's not a struggle because it's not the right word, mm. but I see... The cogs are turning. There's a cog turning and I, I feel like your brain is this thing and then there's a little tiny window that I, sometimes I peep inside and I can <laughs> see exactly what's going on but I can't comprehend it not because you're not explaining it but because your your brain is on a different plane field mm. I think because sometimes you know we'll talk about things and I know we agree but I'm not getting it I'm like am I not getting it because I'm dumb or are you half to blame because you're not explaining it in a way that well I, I don't think it's an intelligence thing I think it's just a it's a like 
we all comprehend things differently and we all assume that when we use certain words or say certain things, we're communicating the same exact meaning and that's not true. So, for example, I remember I said this phrase on the Mark Boris podcast. I said, I want to work hard. I don't want to do hard work. To me, that makes so much sense. I know exactly what I'm saying. To a lot of people, they're kind of like, it's the same thing. No, working hard means I will put in the hours. I will learn a new skill. I will troubleshoot. I will edit. I will iterate. I will um, upskill. I will solve all these problems. But I don't want to do what I what I perceive to be hard work, which is labor intensive, which is emotionally draining, which feels like you're putting in a lot and not getting a lot out, which is a lot of working structure for people. So I oversimplify that and say, oh, I want to work hard. I don't want to, don't, don't, don't want to do hard work and assume that everyone who hears that knows exactly what I mean. If I was going to maybe target approach that thought, I would say in the way that I just said it before, this elongated approach where I'm, you know, breaking down every part of that sentence. And I would say professionally, target thinker. Mm. But if I'm, you know, in my own room, in a box with four walls and a ceiling, spiderweb thinker. tra la 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 Just going around. That's really interesting. But all the things I, I remember the thing I was working on in therapy is trying to figure out, am I the skills that I use frequently? Am I the things that I'm good at? Or does something exist outside of it? Like, let's say I spend 90% of my time working and I've cultivated these skills that are necessary for me to work well. So like being articulate or being assertive or action oriented. But if I could choose how I would operate just generally I want to be a flippant fairy. No thoughts. Just say, um, painting. Oh, red is such a pretty colour. For sure. For <laughs> sure. So you've had to cultivate that. I think I understand where you're coming from. You're doing this working hard so that you can be the fairy and can be the tangent thinker. Exactly. You're picking and choosing, which is such a, um, such a privilege and a pleasure. Exactly. I really like hearing hard work or working hard. I see it, yeah, in like, not in like nurses – and builders, we talk a lot about yeah. um, construction baddies. Backbone to the society, I'll say it again. And that is hard work yeah. and it's often thankless. And I feel like when you're not rewarded immediately or you're not like uh, you're taken for granted, work becomes harder. Mm. And like I talk about this a lot, but my mum's a nurse, for example, and she goes to work and it's the same thing pretty much every day for like 40 years. Yeah. She's on her feet all day. Whereas my mine is like I make I have to make decisions every day with my career, and the the thing that is hard about it is you're always thinking about it. But is it hard work? Exactly. I don't think so, sis. I'm sitting on my ass <laughs> talking shit. Hundred percent. And so the point to all that is words mean things, and it doesn't really matter how you come to the decisions you make, but if you can't explain them. Just appreciate that people don't aren't in your head. They don't know how it functions and how it works. And if you want to be understood, it's your responsibility to share that with people. Yeah, share that they're not understanding or what, yeah. whatever. Take on some of the responsibility, as you said. If you're finding that you're feeling misunderstood or that, you know, the way that you want to be perceived isn't coming across, then take a little bit of responsibility and try just like a little bit, not even harder, but just put some context around it. So now Frumi knows that my whole thing is I want – a framework so I can be cuckoo inside the framework. That's why I say I'm always like a lowercase creative. Like I'm not here for like passion projects and whatever. No, no, no. 
I know we live in a capitalist society. I need money to work. I need freedom or I need money to give me this perceived freedom. That's what I've decided for myself, not the truth. So with that in mind, these are the steps I'm taking to get there. And when there's a hump, I need to address that. And that's what we do. Anyway, so shout out to spiderweb thinkers and target thinkers. I'm sure there are a ton of other thinkers, but, you know, identify which one you are and act accordingly. Before we go, Brookie, which one are you? I'm Def the Spider. Yeah. Really? Yeah. You're so organised though. No, not really. I think I just look organised. That's hot. <laughs> Brooke always has immaculate makeup and like prepares our show before we do it in such a perfect way that I don't understand how you do it. I don't sleep, that's how. That's it. <laughs> and Brooke is our structure so we can be kooky. She is. That's God it. bless. This is Flex and Frooms on Cater. I was saying earlier that I absolutely love going on Facebook Marketplace. Yeah. Are you a big fan? Huge fan. I get it. The whole idea of sustainable circular living didn't click until I was like, wait a second. I can just go to Facebook Marketplace, get a whole couch, 200 bucks. It's perfect. And then when I'm done with it, put it back on Facebook Marketplace or give it to a friend. It's genius. So genius. And having it like the algorithm's amazing. Yes. The fact that your profile's on there, it's kind of like verified in a way that Gumtree and whatnot aren't. No shade. I'm happy to to work for whomever. (laughs) I got I someone messaged me the other day about Gumtree because I said I was looking for a dog, mm. and supposedly you shouldn't be looking for pets on somewhere like Gumtree. So yeah. the more you know, though, because I didn't know that either until I said I wanted a dog as well, and everyone's like, "Don't go to Gumtree." I mean, we have a lot to learn about the pet industry. We definitely do, and I will be doing my research before I acquire my Chihuahua, as we discuss. But that is irrelevant. I am on the hunt for a rug. Well, I'm actually not on the hunt for anything, but as I said, I can't <laughs> sleep lately. And so what I'm doing is it gets to like 2 a.m. and I'm like, I've looked through my LinkedIn. I've looked through yeah. my Insta, my Twitter, my TikTok. I need a dopamine boost. You're busying your mind. i got to go on the Facebook marketplace and see what the algorithm is serving me. Mm. Came across this rug. Am I Which in the market for a rug? a very bold thing, a rug from Facebook marketplace. I don't know about all that. Yeah, I just wanted something for under my bed. I love the colour pink and I thought I'm going to try and like keep my eye out for a Persian rug that's pink, like okay. an over-dyed rug, yeah. proper wool, etc. I find this rug, it's wool, it's $180, it's hot pink and it's… Big one, like a big area one or a little runner? Well, this is the thing. Uh-oh. You buy a rug on Marketplace mm. and it's not until you get home that you realise this isn't working. No. This isn't the right size. It's happened to happen quite a few times. Anyway, I came to look at the rug um, and met with the guy and he was like really nice, but it was just such a weird experience going to someone's house. Yeah. If you really think about it, take take a couple of minutes out. Like you're hitting up a random person who's claiming to sell this random thing that you don't even really need. You're going to get in your car, drive all the way to them, knock on their door, have them open their door. You walk into a stranger's house for a rug in bunny rabbits in quotations and then hopefully, you know, don't get attacked on your way out. Well, I see this rug. I walk into the room and instantly I know what my decision is. What is it? It's a no. No, really? The rug is fuggly. Can I stop you for a second? I think it's so odd that you went to go and see the rug, not committing to have purchased it. I did commit. I'd gotten the money out of the ATM. Oh. I had $180 burning in my pocket. I look at the rug and it was like, it's just the wrong kind of pink. It was like electric pink. You know how sometimes in the olden days, like nine, 90s, 80s, 2000s, yeah, I'm with you. people would wear that like pink lipstick yeah. that was kind of electric, yeah. but not in the right way. So you want more of a fuchsia, like a raspberry? I want a fuchsia, not a raspberry, a magenta. Oh. A magenta over Why don't you say that? 
Well, <laughs> I thought maybe this was going to be. I'm looking gender. at the sheet today. It says "Frumi Hot Pink Rug." <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning my colors, but I guess my question to you is: When you go somewhere and you decide you don't actually want something, mm. what's a polite thing to do? This is well. It's a good question because I stopped going on Facebook Marketplace, obviously during COVID, for you know realistic reasons but because people weren't good at their photography they were taking images in the wrong lighting in the wrong context not putting measurements and I was going there feeling impolite to leave Mm -hmm. without paying money because you know I don't think I've ever bought something from from Facebook Marketplace that wasn't an irritant to someone or myself. Can you meet at this time? Can you meet at this time? Get a cash, go inside, whatever. By the time you get there, they've already said their goodbyes to it. I don't want to be stuck with stuff that I don't want to keep. So I just don't go unless I'm super sure that whatever I'm getting is perfect or I have the skills to like DIY it and make it better. Yeah, I like that. I didn't do any of the following. So what did you say? You're I like, just yeah, said, no, it's, it's, it's not. It's going to be you know for us. I said, yeah, I don't know. I yeah, I said, ah. I'm gonna I'm gonna message you tomorrow. I got to think about it. Yeeted out of there, hot footed at home, thinking, oh my god. Did you block him? Nah. He ended up he ended up putting the rug down to a hundred dollars and selling it. And I thought I dodged a bullet there, son. <laughs> You're sick. Anyway, I really feel for you. I do want to get back into it, though, because there is something about building a space that you know was, one, sustainable, two, inexpensive, and three, intentional. Like, you really have to wait until you see exactly what you want before you make that purchase, as opposed to going to department store, paying for whatever, just kind of like, you know, tickles your fancy. It's lame. We should do better. And we will. This is Flex and Frooms. On Cater. I love festivals. I haven't always loved festivals. This is Froome speaking, by the way. My first <laughs> festival was in 2010. I reckon I was in year 10 and I went to a thing called um, Pyramid Rock. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? I've never heard of it before. It's a Victorian festival. It's in Phillip Island. Kind of like it, it never was in the big leagues, but it was like kind oh, of indie a cool. indie fest. Yeah, kind of indie. Yeah. Kimbra played. Oh, Pharrell. bring Kimbra back. Yeah, right? Wow, wow, wow. Kimbra was a massive part of my... um. Reckoning with my indiness. I want to settle down. (laughs) But also Nerd played. Huge. And uh, Arrested Development, which I was listening to on the way here. It was seriously elite. Anyway, Beyond the Valley is coming up on New Year's Eve and I have the pleasure of hosting Mm -hmm. the podcast stage of the festival. Isn't like the the first live podcast stage at an Australian festival? Like it's huge. At a, at a major Australian festival, it's the lineup is packed. It's with the Daily Oz. Yeah, Do I love you, that. I love the love Daily Oz. Love the Daily Oz. Um, Abby Chatfield's yep. going to be there. Uh, Dylan Alcott. Yeah. There's a whole plethora of people performing so that I'm going to be introducing. I'm so excited. Nurture your brain. Right. And I'm actually staying on site. I think I'm staying in the glamping tent. Oh, have you done that before? No. Are you comfortable with that? No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, nah, I don't know. I don't know. So long as there's somewhere I can like dry my hair. You need to send, have you sent through a rider? Do you do that? Um, no. Okay. I'll just say, you know, it's always good to like keep a good impression, never be a diva, make your own um comfort elsewhere, mm. you know, it's all about the optics. But no, I'm really excited. And I know you went to Splendor a few months ago. Yeah. And how was your experience there? I loved it. I did go um, with Rimmel London, who are the official makeup sponsor. So it, the perks were perking. We got a driver to and from every day, accommodation. But for being on ground, like, yes, there's a backstage area that's slightly less muddy, but still muddy. You're still waiting in lines for drinks in the bathroom. But I love festivals um, with AAA and VIP. Mm. I just, I like to get amongst it and then go back to a safe space. I'm really into it. I loved Splendor. I'm going to go to Coachella later on in like six months time. 
Wow. How are you going to do that? Are you going to camp? No, no, no. I got a hotel. I spent a lot of money on a hotel nearby. Because, look, my whole thing is I don't want to age out of things I find enjoyable. It's going to cost me an extra couple K to get it done. But to get it done. Within the time limits. I love it. Yeah. You're listening to Flex and Frooms. On Kada. I have some good news and some bad news. You always do. <laughs> Mostly bad news, but I've been trying to balance the scales a little bit. For anyone who has been thinking of getting their money up and their funny up uh, and wants to be a billionaire, if not a millionaire, I have some advice for you. If you're already born, not much you can do except work hard mm. or exploit people. But if you are yet to be born, I read this article that said that if you're an Aries or a Libra, I'm an Aries. <laughs> then you have the best chance of being a billionaire, according to the Zodiac. What? Is if this? I didn't already have a reason to be smug, <laughs> it's in my DNA. There's nothing I could do wrong. Listen to this. So I'm reading this information on Business Today. So obviously very credible. It says that there's this online betting site called Mm. Time to Play that did some research to examine some of the common traits of the 50 richest people to identify which traits make a billionaire. So the site found that of the 50 billionaires that they surveyed or researched, eight billionaires came from Aries and Libra each, so eight Aries and eight Libras, which is huge considering there are 12, while five came from Leo and Scorpio, three from Aquarius, Cancer, Capricorn, Gemini, Pisces, and Virgo, two from Taurus, and none of the billionaires were ever Sagittarius. Wow. Isn't that brutal? I mean... I don't know what astrology is, full stop. Who knows? But, but the stats are stacking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeing this for you. Interesting. So when... Mm. And from an astrological sense, Aries and Libras are perfect opposites. And so they create this really great balance, allegedly, because they exist on opposite sides of the spectrum. So what one doesn't have, the other makes up for, which makes sense because I would say half of my best friends are Libras. Um, when is the Libra month? October or late September. Cool. So your parents um, had, you know, conceived you in, I'm going to say, August? So if my birthday's in April, nine months, July, August. Yeah. July, August. I was June June to July. Yeah. So we have similarities, but yeah, then opposite opposite signs. Yeah, winter cuddling. You know what it, you know what it does? So anyway, this is, if you're in the market for procreation, this is some good feedback. Or if you are opposed to people hoarding wealth and you want to eat the rich, maybe even better, start getting freaky January yep. to have a Sagittarius baby who will not be a billionaire. It's giving Marxism. Yeah, something like that. You've been listening to the Flex and Frooms Daily Podcast. For more, tune in to Cater on DAB or stream it on iHeartRadio.